Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this part of the service. Uh, we'll be continuing our uh, series about the kingdom of God. If you re recall, um, last message I talked about the kingdom of God and, and what that is and uh, and we, we talked about what a kingdom is and, and that it is, it is a uh, uh, autocracy and not a democracy and how that as American people we have a hard time understanding that. And so we discussed that and then we, we also we just looked at what scripture has to say about the kingdom of God and we, we saw that the theme of the New Testament is is about the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and so this morning, I would like to continue with that. And um, as, we, as we, if we look simply at the kingdom of God, we, we might wonder <clears throat> why we experience some of the things that we do in life and, and like... Uh, like Elsie shared, um, if Jesus came to to bring the kingdom, and if he is, if we believe that he is the answer, then why do we still experience death and pain and suffering, grief? Why do we still experience things like that? Um, why do we, what, what's, what's up with all the, the madness of life, the, the rushing around and busy work schedules and, and it just seems that there's always something, uh, we just, sometimes we just don't quite reach around and, and what, you know, then, then something, something goes wrong on top of that. Just example, yesterday I, uh, we had a few things going in the morning and then my, I had started preparing earlier but my plan was to finish my message yesterday afternoon and, you know, be done at a decent time. And, and well, um, I knew the battery on our Suburban was, it was going to need to be replaced. And yesterday afternoon was the time it needed to be replaced. It just, we just had got home, it was charged up and it didn't start. So, you know, what, why did that have to happen then? I mean, God knew that I had something important to do, right? Well, why do things like that happen? Why do we get sick? Why why does a why does a young healthy person maybe get a terminal illness and and we we have pain and suffering and um or or maybe maybe it uh maybe have you ever felt guilty because it seems that you're caught up in this rat race, this madness, and God is just far away. We, we, we're not, we don't know. We go to church every Sunday. We do all the right things, and we, we're trying to, to do. Um, but yet it just seems God is just out there somewhere. Or maybe, maybe you've experienced a broken relationship. Why we see this, we see this a lot. P 
people that name the name of Christ and yet there's severed relationships. What is, what is going on with why? If Jesus came, if you brought in the kingdom, why does this stuff happen? If, if Jesus is here, why all the turmoil and confusion? <clears throat> and so this morning I would like to attempt to, to give you some answers on that. I don't profess to have all the answers. I would like to just encourage you uh, in your walk. And I'd like to do that by starting at Revelations chapter 12. I'd like to have you turn there, and we're going to read the whole chapter. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, and the reason I don't is because I'd like for you to, to, to experience God's Word Know where it's at in your own in your own Bible, so that you can go here again. and And it's not it's not about what I have to say; it's about what God's Word has to say. So, starting Revelations chapter twelve. Now a great sign appeared in heaven: a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives to the, to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you will dwell, and you, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, any times, any half time, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed forth water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman... 
and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God, and who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think this chapter sheds a lot of light on, on all of the, the, the things that we were talking about. All the, the pain, and the, and the suffering, and, and the grief, and, and all the, that we that we experience in life. And, and I'm going to say, I don't, I think there's a lot more in here than we're going to talk about this morning. I'm not, this is not necessarily an exhaustive study on Revelations or on the chapter, chapter 12 of Revelations, but there's a number of things in here that I think we can, we can understand. One thing I'd like to mention maybe about looking at a, a book like this or a chapter like this is that as people we tend to we, we, we measure everything in time that's all we know we has we have present and we have past and we have future tenses and we everything everything we know is measured in those in those tenses you know this morning is past and right now is the present and tomorrow morning is in the future. And so when we, when we read the scriptures, we, we just, that's how, we, how we, we think in those terms. Now, God is outside of time. And so I think when we look at this chapter, there are some things here that have happened, some things that are happening, and some things that will happen. They're not necessarily all in chronological order. And so it, as, as when we read it, as people, we tend to, we want to know what has happened first, what has happened in the past. That should be written first. And then we want to know how this progresses in chronological order. That's not necessarily how this chapter is, is, is written. And so I think if we can, if we could somehow I don't know if this is totally accurate, but if, you know, if when John had the vision, if we could somehow understand that he, he saw the past and the present and the future tenses all at once. I'm not sure that I can understand that, but I, I think that's, that's the best description I can come up with for, for understanding how some of these especially some of these prophetic books like Revelation and Daniel and so how they, it's the best way I have for trying to understand what all is, is taking place and when it takes place. And so, I'd like to uh, just pause with this for a little bit and I'd like to, to give you a story of of uh, of conflict. I think one of the key things that we see in this passage that we're going to look at is just simply that there is conflict. There has been conflict. There is conflict, and there will be conflict. There is conflict taking place, and and that is that's primarily what we're looking for in this passage because as we experience life, you know the things that we've 
talked about, the, the pain and the grief and, and just the madness of life and, and those things, the broken relationships, those things are conflict. They're conflict in our lives. How many of you, Amzi, would you remember June the 6th of 1944? You remember what, how old would you have been at that time? About 12, so you would, you would remember it. How many other people know what happened on June the 6th of 1944? Dennis? You know what happened on? Yes, it's when in World War II, when the Allied forces invaded northern France in, in Normandy, which was that part of France, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Um, oh, I, I skipped a... Uh, Getting ahead of myself. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about Satan, which we read about, and then we're going to talk about uh, how that we are born in bondage to His kingdom, and we're going to talk about how that Christ came to redeem us, uh, to buy us back into into the kingdom of God. So on. Uh, on June 6th of 1944, and this actually um, took place a day after they had planned this because of weather. Um, this is a map of the region. Uh, this is Britain right up here. And that's where right here on the south side of Britain is where all the Allied forces had been. They had the, 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 This plan had been in the works for... For over a year, um, I believe they began planning an invasion of of Western Europe about the time uh, of uh, the January of 1943, which would have been about 18 months prior. It took them that long to to put together everything that they needed. Um, one of the interesting things in in conflict is deception, and the Allies went to great pains. They went to extreme measures to make sure that this plan was not discovered by the Nazis. And one of the ways that they did that is that they, they invented or they, they made up a bunch of, of false information. And one of the, the big things on that was they... They knew the Germans were expecting an invasion here at the closest point of the, of the English Channel, which logically made sense. And so they played up on that idea, and they actually, they actually put, built a lot of mock equipment, um, mock armies. They actually had um, big, like the little blow-up tents that we see all over. They made... Lots and lots of trucks and tanks and just all kind of airplanes and and they had them sitting around at different places up here and they created all kinds of of radio communication that would indicate that that's where the invasion is taking place so that if the Germans intercept their radio communications and they're going to think that yeah this is what's happening 
And so, and also back here in, in England, there was a, they, there was a restricted zone within 50 miles of the coast. Citizens, or there were checkpoints, and no one was allowed closer than 50 miles to the coast. So even, even the citizens of Britain really had no idea what exactly was going on. It was very, very important to the success of the invasion that the Germans don't find out where they're coming across. So on the morning of June the 6th, there were as many as as 7,000 ships, 160,000 troops, uh, 7,000 ships, and almost 11,000 airplanes that were deployed that morning. The airplanes, some of them were deployed earlier, like midnight, and they, they flew across and they dropped paratroopers in behind the lines. Um, some of them were supposed to, to take out, to drop some bombs and to take out some of the bunkers. Some of that failed, and which is why the, uh, some of the landings were, were, there were very high, um, many soldiers lost their lives when they were landing because some of the heavy artillery and the bunkers where the Germans were, were not removed like they had thought they were. Now, my point in all this is, do you think, do you think for one moment that if you were a soldier on that boat, you were coming up to the beach, and these beaches, on the beaches, they, the Germans had, had placed all kinds of heavy steel, um, just obstacles, basically, and so to keep the Allied tanks from being able to drive up, or the boats from, there were objects in the water to keep the boats from coming close and and so and then there was about a, a couple hundred yards of open beach with with no protection they had planted landmines in that uh, in the beach and then up on the cliffs the Germans had had placed a lot of of concrete bunkers and there there was the Germans didn't have that many people but they were in those concrete bunkers with with heavy guns and the Americans had no place to go except across that open uh, beach. And so do you think that there was any question in those soldiers' minds as they came up to that beach and they saw the gunfire and all the chaos that was taking place that they were in a battle? I don't think for one minute that they had to wonder whether this is war or not. It was one of the one of the costliest battles ever fought as far as loss of lives, loss of equipment, and it was, it was, uh, it was terrible. And so the thing I'd like to, to bring out with that is just simply the fact that these men knew going in that they were in a war. And these men knew going in which side they were on. There was no question whether you were on the German side or whether you were on the Allies' side. The second thing I'd like to get from this is the very reason we have stories like this is because we are in a greater conflict 
there is a greater war going on, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I'd like to, to help us understand that we are, we are caught up. It's as if we're on the beaches of Normandy there, and we're caught up in the crossfire of, of this war. So I'd like to uh, I'd like to go back to our scripture in Revelation, and there's a, there's a few verses specifically that I would like to look at. Um, maybe beginning at the first of the chapter, just to give you a little background. I don't have this on the PowerPoint, but. Um, and now a great sign appeared in heaven in a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. If I understand this correctly, this is speaking of Israel. Israel is the woman. And she's waiting for the time when Messiah will come and deliver her. ahead of myself. I'd like to look at verses 7 and 8. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Now here is, is, remember what I was talking about with the, the time. This, we don't know for sure when this took place, but before, sometime before the time of Israel. Before, you know, before verses 1 and 2. But Satan had become, he, he elevated himself and there was, they fought, there was war and, and he was cast down. Uh, to the earth. Uh, chapter, verse 11, and here it speaks of, of, of overcoming him, and I'd just like to bring, to have, to, to bring, if, if we're, if we're overcoming something, then there is, there is conflict. Just a few verses here. <clears throat> Verse 13. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So Satan is cast down to the earth, and so he persecutes Israel, who is, who is expectantly waiting, or who has given birth to the child, which is Jesus. And if we... <clears throat>
And again, in verse 17, we're going to look at some of these verses again a little later. But so the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which would be speaking of, of us or, or the, the church, the, the offspring of, of the woman. And so we see that Satan is, is out to destroy whoever he can, whoever he can get. Uh, a few more scriptures in, in, in the Gospels about what Jesus said. I'd like, to, I'd like for us to think in terms of that Satan has been cast down to the earth. We saw in verse, in verse 11. Um, or verse 13, and so he, uh, if Jesus speaks of him, we're, we're going to look at that, how, how that Jesus speaks of him in, in Matthew verse chapter 4. This is where Jesus had went up on the mountain to, to pray and fast for 40 days, and then Satan comes at the end of that time and tempts him, and one of those temptations, the, the last one, was... Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, I had always read this thinking that, well, Satan is a liar. We know that he's a liar. And so these were not his kingdoms to give. Uh, I, I think I understand that a little differently. These, the kingdoms of the world are Satan's to give. And we're going to see in a few more verses here wh- why I think that. Another verse in John 8, verses Verse 44, here, this is a conversation with the Pharisees. He says to the Pharisees, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So, let's just move on to... John chapter 12, this is where Philip had brought some Greeks, had come to see, they wanted to meet Jesus, Philip took them to Jesus, they had a conversation, and in that conversation, there was a voice, God spoke from heaven and, and blessed his son, and Jesus speaks about this here in John 12, chapter, uh, verse 30, Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This is, I think, in a nutshell, the gospel right here. Jesus is telling his people why he's here. He's saying, look, the ruler of this world, he's, he's, he needs to go. I have come to take back the people that rightfully belong to me. <clears throat> Uh, 
And again, in, in chapter 14, Jesus speaks of the same thing. This is just before they go out to the garden. They had been in the upper room. And he's telling the disciples, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. And so, so Jesus was expecting to die at the hands of the ruler of this world. He was giving himself as a ransom to, to take back what was rightfully his. A couple things I'd like for you to, in, in these verses, is just simply that if you are not a part of the kingdom of God, then you are, by default, you are under subjection to the ruler of this world. He has a kingdom just like the kingdom of God. It is an autocracy that he rules, and those two kingdoms are at odds with each other. Now, we are... Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. I'm going to talk a little bit about how that we are born into Satan's kingdom. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about this. I've talked about it some before, but we see that, just a few verses here, that therefore, just as though one man, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all men have sinned. So, Paul is saying here in Romans that because we are the offspring of Adam, we inherit that nature. And he talks again about that in Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, we were dead back here in bondage to Satan. We were born there by, by default. We are born in bondage to Satan's kingdom. In which you once walked according to the curse to the to the course of this world's. He's speaking to people that have been moved out of that, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, speaking of Satan, speaking of of the ruler of this world. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others that haven't come out yet. And so, and so we are we are helplessly caught up behind enemy lines. And I'd like to, going back to our illustration about uh, D-Day, to help us understand how this looks, I'd like to imagine that we are, where, where we are born we are behind, we are in France, behind enemy lines, and we are completely helpless, bound up, 
inside a concrete bunker. Outside, there's lots of Germans with big guns, and then further away, there's they have the they they call it the uh, the West Wall, um, the their line of defense against the Allied forces in in Britain, and there is no way for us to escape on our on our own. <clears throat> That's how helpless we are in in our lost condition. However, Christ came to redeem us, to buy us back. And we're going to look at how he did that and how that plays an effect on, on some of the questions we had to begin with. Colossians, the first chapter, tells us a little bit about what takes place here. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has, he has delivered us from where we were bound up behind enemy lines, and he has moved us into, into, the, into his kingdom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Next chapter in Colossians, I, I like this, this, there's a, I just, I like verse 15, we'll read it, you, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with them, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken out, taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So we are bound up behind enemy lines, and he comes, and let's just use General Dwight Eisenhower was the supreme allied commander of that, um, that army, and... Um, let's imagine that we are bound up. The Allied forces are out on the water, 7,000 ships, and the Germans are controlling the beach. And so Eisenhower comes, and he wants to negotiate a deal with the Germans to get back the prisoners. And so they sit down and they negotiate and a part of that negotiation is that he is going to allow the Germans to take him prisoner in order to release all the other prisoners. So they carry through with the plan. They take him and they bind him and they put him in the prison into a concrete bunker where there's no chance of ever seeing daylight again and there's lots of Germans with big guns on the outside but he has the power to overcome them 
and all of a sudden, it's as if they have no more power. And not only do the prisoners come free, but he goes back with them. And imagine that we're leaving the bunkers, and we're going back, and these Germans and all their big guns are helpless to do anything. And they watch us go. And he, he delivers us, and in verse 15, he has disarmed them, and he makes a public spectacle of them. All the other allied forces out on the ocean, they can see this. They know what's going on. And they think this is great. And so he takes us back and moves us into his kingdom. One more verse I'd like to look at back in Revelations again is verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Notice the last phrase. And this is a... I'm going to give you a prelude to the next message. A part of Eisenhower's deal to remove us is that there are conditions. We are going to have to follow him exactly as he tells us because the Germans are still out there and if we come out from under the blood they can attack us and they can get us and we will become a casualty of war so how does this how does this help us to understand how to cope with with life. <clears throat> Two verses that I'd like to leave you with. Um, I'd like, I'd simply like for you to understand, number one, that we are in a conflict, and th- what we we are we are still in that we are still in that phase of going back to all the way back past the German lines all the way back to the allied ships where there is no more harm and so that's why you know if you can imagine we're in we're that moment when the outcome is sure there's no question but the culmination of it all has not yet taken place and so that is, that is why we experience some of this, this conflict in life is that there is still conflict going on uh, uh, around us. <coughs> we see that in verse 17, the last verse of our chapter. The dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This can be expected. If, if you are a child of God, then, then Satan will be coming after you. 
The last verse is simply this. If we follow Jesus, if we keep, if we keep our focus on him, the, the victory has been won. It's just a matter of time before, before there is no more temptation and no more pain and no more suffering and grief. I'd like to leave you with those two verses and a desire, I trust, to, to, to seek God's kingdom, to seek to, to understand his way for you. Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we pause for a moment to, to give you glory and honor, Father, for loving us and for what you've done for us, for, for giving yourself to, to buy us back, to... Lord, I pray that as we leave here that we could, we could understand uh, what you have for us, your will for our lives, and that we could understand that during this life here that there will be pain and suffering and grief. And so, Father, just pray that, that we could surrender ourselves completely to you to pursue your kingdom to trust you to completely remove us from enemy from the enemy father just pray in Jesus name amen